and and Coop and Gar and uh, Zetsy, they would come around, and each house or group would have to would have to uh, host them for dinner. So, and you would be scored. You would be graded on your presentation, your meal, your quality, your alcohol selection, your dessert, you know, and your entertainment. So you had to come up with a night and they would come over for a couple hours and you'd wine and dine them. And so then they take pictures. We would all go in the room like a week later and Gar would have this presentation and we would get graded. And it was a competition within the group. And there was like, I don't know, a hundred bucks or a couple hundred bucks on the line for, for whoever won. Yeah. So we did that throughout the year and it became a thing and guys were like going above and beyond i remember going to sam's club and we we're getting like all this stuff loaded up me and barbs are walking through the aisle we spent like 500 dollars on groceries or something and booze and we said we're gonna do it right we're gonna do it right and hi there welcome to the show i'm lucas favali this is crunch chronicles great to be with you once again as we welcome in episode 33 of the show and we are so happy and thrilled to be joined by our newest guest on the podcast this week he was here in Syracuse as part of the Crunch's Crunch Classic game, the charity game this past weekend. And we were so fortunate to have him in town for that and to get him here on episode 33 of Crunch Chronicles. Of course, we're talking about Eric Nielsen, one of the great personalities and great folks in Crunch history. Eric spent three seasons with the Crunch back at the start of the Lightning affiliation from 2012 through 2015. It was such a presence on the ice, but his real impact also came off the ice in the Syracuse community. He was the AHL's Man of the Year Award winner uh, during his time with the Crunch, and it was certainly well-deserved. Such a huge part of that transition from Norfolk to Syracuse for the Lightning organization and really laying the groundwork down at the start of the affiliation here in Syracuse in 2012-2013 as part of that leadership group for what has now blossomed into 10 seasons with the Crunch affiliated with Tampa Bay. So uh, he is a huge factor, a huge player in franchise history. He is guest number 33 on Crunch Chronicles. It is former Crunch forward Eric Nielsen. Hey, man, Luke, I'm doing awesome, buddy. Appreciate you having me back here. And, uh, geez, it feels just like yesterday I'm coming in through here and putting this headset on and up with Dan, du- double D's up yeah. in the box. I'm back on the mic here again. So just happy and uh, really excited to be back in Syracuse. Well, it is so great to have you here. It's your, well, the second time you've been back since I've been here five years now with the, with the, uh, the crunch. You were here a couple of years ago. But uh, what have you been doing these days? What's keeping you busy with uh, with your life outside yeah. of hockey? Yeah, now? no, thanks for asking. I'm, I'm uh, back on the East Coast. So I'm originally from Fredericton, New Brunswick. And and, uh, my family's from there, so I've, I've moved back since and uh, got engaged in, uh, in during the COVID. Found love in a COVID place, there I guess. Go. Is uh, <laughs> probably not the only one, but uh, <laughs> no, we uh, yeah, think things are good there. With um, I kind of step away from hockey as we were talking before there, so I, I'm pursuing another career in uh, refrigeration and HVAC right now. I'm a, I'm a Billy Madison, it I call it. I'm back to school. I just uh, <laughs> you know I walked into the classroom the first day. I'm like, all right, you know, if Veronica Vaughn is my teacher, I said we're going to be all right, but it wasn't. Veronica Vaughn. It was somebody else. But it was. It's. Uh, it's good. I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing my first block, and yeah, I'm kind of building towards a future in refrigeration HVAC right now. Oh, that's great. It's good to hear. Uh, you you kind of talked about it, like you said beforehand. You had jumped into coaching for a bit to maybe. Mm. 
or you thought maybe you had something going there in terms of a career, but helped you transition out of the game as well. Just to, you retired from playing, you went into coaching for a bit, you got a chance to experience that, and now you were able to kind of move on and, and start a new career. Yeah, yeah. I was looking back, it was my last few years, the body just gave out, right? And I, I'd be like PC Libre right now. If I was still able, my body was able, I'd still be playing the game. And I'm probably not at the AHL level, but I'd be playing somewhere because it was just a, such a passion for me, and I just, I love the game so much. But, uh, you know what happens and it's it's inevitable right there's there's no guarantees in hockey the only guarantee is that you can't play forever right and that's uh, that's one of the things but i had enjoyed the ride while i could and i just the transition yeah going from a player into coaching i think really helped me because the game didn't take wasn't taken away from me totally i was able to still be a part of a team be in that atmosphere go to the rink every day you know the the day-to-day operations that you that you do as a hockey player and uh that that personally looking back that that really helped me through my transition away from you know playing into into coaching and then as we talked it just over the two years I started the junior a level back in the east coast the mhl and then um and then made my way back up to the quebec major junior league in bathurst i went to coach for the titans for two years uh right after the Mem Cup, they won in 18, and I uh, I was part of the rebuild after that. So, some frustrating f- frustrating times there, but yeah. uh, you know you get to you get to see the the guys' true character, and was hopefully was able to help some of those guys because wasn't too long ago I was part of as a player as the worst team in Canada in 2002 for the Rimouski Oceanic. Uh, we won 11 games that year, I believe, and uh, you know there's a big draft, and there was a kid came in the next year help us win the Presidents <laughs> Cup, and I think we already know who that guy I is. I think we do. Yeah, number 87. <laughs> So, uh, you know, it was, it was kind of neat to go from a player experience that and then as a coach. And I was hoping I, I could help some of the guys, you know, realize that's kind of how hockey is, right? It's the development, especially the junior level. So, no, it was it was a ride and I, I rode her as hard as I could and I took her all the way to as far as I could. And, you know, I don't don't have a lot of regrets. And that's one one way I wanted to live my life. So I'm very, very blessed that I was able to be part of it for so long and spend three beautiful years here in Syracuse. Yeah, and we'll get to your time with the Crunch uh, for sure here in, in just a few, but I, I know and you kind of just mentioned it, you know, still being, after you retired as a player, being involved with that team, and I feel like that was something that was important to you as a player, being in a team environment, you know, being a big part of that team environment, whether it was on or off the ice, and, and just that family feel. Uh, why was that so important to you as a player? Well, looking back now, you, it's crazy because when you're in it in the moment, you don't appreciate it or you don't really dissect it, what's really going on. A lot of stuff in hockey is just reaction. You're just acting and day-to-day operations. And now that I, ref- I have time to reflect and I look back on it, I wasn't a good hockey player. I wasn't a great hockey player. I was probably actually, my hockey skills were below average. I was very fortunate to make it to the American Hockey League. And looking back, you know, my 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 knowledge of the game and my puck skills and my positioning, it w- I really had to work hard on that stuff. That didn't come naturally to me. But one thing that I was taught as a young age, you have to find a way way to contribute to a team for success, right? And then you have to make yourself uh, valuable so they'll keep you around. So, you know, my, my toughness, my my um, willingness to stand up for my teammates and, and to have that. And then obviously the off ice part, the team building. And I was so, so fortunate to play with a group of guys that we did in Norfolk and then win the Calder Cup and then come here. And that was kind of middle, middle of my American League career. So I was, I was going from the rookie transition into like the veteran player to have guys like Mike Angelita. JP Cote, you know, we had um, Alex Picard, Brandon Seagull, some of the guys in Norfolk that we had, Michael Lett, Michelle Lett was a, was a Calder Cup uh, repeat champion again. So 
you know, for me, for me to take that, the experience and then see that and okay, how am I going to, how am I, how's Eric Nielsen going to contribute? Right. Cause you know, I'm not scoring 20 a year. I'm, you know, maybe getting four or five shifts a game. So I got to find a way that I can do it. Right. Yeah. So, you know, and the games that needed that we were might've needed like a little bit of a turnaround for uh, momentum. That's what uh, I found myself challenging guys and fighting and obviously standing up for my teammates. And I just early on in my career too, I was another thing. Hockey has changed since, but back then you ask any fan or, or anybody coming to watch a hockey game, what's your favorite, the goals, the hits or the fights, nine out of those 10 fans are going to say the fights, yeah. you know, there's yep. not, there's still some people that, you know, you score a goal, they're still sitting down, they're clapping, but if you're fighting, they're standing up on your feet, especially if you get a good whack in, you know, <laughs> oh, you can hear them, ooh, ah, you know, instead of just that uh, one second of a goal and then the reaction, a fight, you know, can go on for a minute or a minute and a half or, you know, longer, so it's a... I just that, that was one thing that I, I noticed early on. That's what I had to do. So I, I, I went in that direction. And fortunate for me, I was I was lucky to have uh, coaches and general managers uh, take take notice of that. And um, they, they used me to my full potential. So it was good. Yeah, you carved out a, a great little career for you there, uh, especially mm-hmm. here in Syracuse, where you spent three seasons like we talked about. We'll, uh, we'll shift our focus to that now. It was, uh, I mean, a great time for the crunch. Uh, I would think a pretty good time for you here as well. Mm-hmm. What when you just uh, kind of a broad stroke, what was your experience like? here with the crunch what do you uh, think about the most when you think back it, here uh, it looking back now it was you know we we just won a championship in norfolk we heard rumors that we were going there was an affiliation switch between the ducks and the lightning and syracuse was moving to norfolk and norfolk was moving to syracuse with the affiliation change we were upset we mm-hmm. we as players as an organization we just won we we became really close to the community of Norfolk. We had a great setup there. Um, we just won a championship and the fans and the players were like, well, why are you taking the, you know, but hockey is a business at the end of the day and business decisions are made. So you adapt and you overcome and you know, you're, you're, uh, you're getting paid to do a job. So yeah, you can kick and scream all you want, but Hey, we're going to Syracuse, New York. Right. So we, uh, we talked, there was their leadership group. Actually, we had the year before when we played up here, we went out with some of the guys from Syracuse and we got to see, all right, this is where you you go this is kind of the hangout this is how things are run here and and then we made this made the switch so we come up here and then we took what we did in Norfolk and we just transitioned it up here to, to Syracuse right and fan first mentality and just like putting on a show and entertaining and you know being respectful in the community that was all right from the leaders the, the older guys on the team that was a big part of not just on ice winning hockey games but that it had something to do with it too so we came in here and, and we made the best of it and, and man I just looking back I had three three of my best years were in Syracuse and I became the people here were just the blue collar community so they could really identify with what I did on the ice I didn't need to go out and score goals you know if I had a big hit or if I had a fight good game you know Nielsen at the end of the game and come up and give me a hug or a high five or a handshake and buy me a beer at the local pub after like it was just just really embrace that role and I just you know, I got a lot of thanks and a lot of great memories to the fans here and the organization in Syracuse. Well that first year the 2012-2013 season was such a, a great year for the Crunch organization I mean it is that first year of the Lightning affiliation you had mentioned you just won the Calder Cup down in Norfolk the year before and guys come in maybe with a little chip on your shoulder because of that where you have a new spot and Boy, it was a great season here in Syracuse. Uh, uh, the team was was so good on the ice. It was so good off the ice. It was an NHL lockout year at the start of the year as well. So the whole league was was so competitive at mm-hmm. that point. What do you yeah. remember from that first year where you're you're making that transition off the ice? You're meeting a whole new community here, and you guys are still having great success on the ice. Yeah, it was good. I mean, Coop 
Coop was here again and we had their core guys. It was hard for us to make that transition. I think, uh, was it halfway? You probably remember halfway through the year when Coop got called yeah, up yeah. when they fired uh, Guy. It, it, yeah, it was Tampa. about it was, February or March. Yeah, it was, it was a little late later. Yeah, it was late that. in the year and Zetsi stepped in and uh, he did an unbelievable job, right? Like he he's coming as a, first year with the team and then all of a sudden he's assistant coach and then you're a coach yeah. in eight months, you know? It's like, but he stepped in and, and we played hard for him. It was just... It, Things happen in hockey, and I feel like we could have won, and we had the potential to win, but it wasn't our year with everything that happened. The timing of Detroit mm -hmm. losing out, sending down their studs at the end of of the that or the first of the last round of the finals, yeah. right? So they got stacked up. Gudis goes down with an injury. A couple guys were banged up, and we just didn't quite have, you know, on maybe you stretch that series out over ten. The what ifs you can always say, and and you might have different results, but Grand Rapids had a great team that year, and we battled and but you know when making it all the way to the finals our first year here it was uh, it was pretty exciting and, and the city downtown i just remember it being may and nice and people are walking around downtown the energy coming to the rink is like the horns were blowing and people were waving and go crunch go and you know it was it was packed in here it was it was the energy and i, I talked to a lot of guys after and it was hard to play in here the fans were really our sixth player because the noise and it was and they were on the other team and they was you know i remember playing here against yeah. syracuse that wasn't <laughs> even playoffs that's regular season and you know i felt like i wasn't a good I, they were kind of making me question if i was a hockey player or not if i maybe should go take curling or something you know yeah they, they get you right to your core but it was just, that's part of it that's what makes syracuse so special in the history here right so that was all part of it but you know we got some great stories some great memories those uh that that first year but also the two years that follow too yeah it, it was uh well just such a, a great playoff run mm. as we know and and uh you kind of said it was maybe not the year for the crunch but it, the the fans and and the energy going on they had never seen anything like this before right. in syracuse it was the first ever trip to the finals for an organization that at that point was in its 19th season yeah. so to see the, the the community rally behind the crunch at yeah. that point i'm sure was uh just such a thrill for you as a player and as as a group and then to, it's not like that's gone away it was throughout the course of a regular season and beyond but just how would you capture what that that playoff run was like for for you and and interacting with the community like you said downtown walking to the rink whatever it might yeah be. yeah it, it, well, it was like I'm trying to use an analogy here but i don't know if i can <laughs> find one right off the top of my head but i just i paint you a picture like just walking out maybe a day off or on uh on an afternoon of the, even the day of a game would we'll be walking and anybody at any given time would stop and say oh hey eric or hey pc or hey mike you know good luck tonight we'll be watching we're rooting for you guys and that happened multiple times throughout the day on any given day and in, in that playoff run and when you have that as a player it just it's it gives you an extra little bit of confidence a little boost like you know we're, we're as professional athletes we're paid to go out and put a product on the ice and it's we're in the entertainment business right but when you hear the, the the fans giving back and say you know we appreciate what you're doing well that's just it's a double positive you know it's like it just builds up the your confidence and makes you feel good about that so when you go on the ice you you might you know you give that extra little bit of, of effort to uh to put on a show for your fans and i just yeah it was the energy i, I can't really put it into yeah, words yeah, yeah. the way you know you had to live it sort of thing one of those but i uh no i mean i i definitely that won't probably see anything like that in my lifetime ever again but yeah it was such a fun uh, fun journey people aren't coming in to, you know i'm yeah. going to fix somebody's air conditioner you know they're like hey eric great job you know <laughs> maybe on a real hot day they say oh well uh, thanks a lot you just cooled her down 10 degrees really appreciate what you did you know but <laughs> the yeah. adrenaline rush might be a little yeah exactly yeah exactly. A, a little different but <laughs> what a what a journey it was that spring and and i i mean i tell you i've, I've been here for a while and i don't think i've ever 
heard the building louder than Andre Schuster's goal in Game Six of the uh, mm. the finals against Grand Rapids. Yes, uh, tied the game in the third period, and we know the Griffins ended up winning that game. Yep. But uh, you talked about John Cooper and, and Rob Zettler, the two coaches here that year. Then Zettler stayed on as head coach after that. Yep. Uh, how would you uh, describe those two uh, those two guys as coaches? They're now back together up in Tampa Bay. I, of I saw that. Yeah, that's uh, great. Yeah, how would you describe those two? And 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 you know, you want a cup, obviously, with with John down in uh, in Norfolk. How yep. were those two? Uh, successful coaches here I looking back on my career right now I you know a lot like I said before a lot of reflecting right you go back and you think and all of a sudden I'll be driving in the work van and I'll have a flashback to this time or that time I'm like holy geez you know that that was that long ago but leadership starts at the top right and Julian Brisebois I he was my general manager in in Hamilton he was assistant in Montreal that year so we he brought me in Guy Boucher was a head coach and until that point I'd been in and I'm not knocking on these organizations, but St. Louis Blues organization in Peoria and San Antonio down in for uh, Phoenix Coyotes at the time. So these organizations that, that weren't really hockey towns, right? Like Montreal Canadians, you think that's a Canadian hockey town, right? So the organization, it trickles down. And Julian Brisebois just brought to me like, the mentality that we're going to take care of everything off the ice. So you can do what we want you to do on the ice mentality. And I never really played for an organization like that until that point. So it was, it was really cool for me to see that, that leadership. Then you, you know, JB goes out and he signs Coop and Zettler. So guys that have hockey experience and know, and obviously saw something in them and believed in them and, you know, look what look yep. has happened since then, you know? So I just, John Cooper, I can say out of all my coaches and, you know, I'm back in hockey and he would probably, he is the, the, the best coach I've ever had. He, he was able to take Eric Nielsen and what I brought to the table and he knew I wasn't going to score, 20, you know, my, my hockey, that wasn't what I was there for. I was there for the team stuff and, and, and team building and bonding and the toughness aspect of it. And he was able to make me feel like a part of that team, like any given night that I, I, I was really, really important piece of the puzzle. And he just had a way to do that. And it was, it wasn't forced. It was just natural. You know, like he, he would, uh, he would, the first time we were here first couple of months he, on a Wednesday night, he called me up. He said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm just watching TV. It's Wednesday. So he said, get ready. I'll be there in 10 minutes. So he comes and picks me up and then we, we go out and we have uh, go to a local pub and we have a beer together and then we're watching the game and we're shooting the shit and talking hockey. And, and it was just, I'd never have a coach do that before. Right. Yeah. Like that didn't happen. And then that was kind of a shift. And I went to practice the next day thinking, you know what? Like, I really want to play for this guy. I really, I'm buying in. I want to buy into this and what his leadership and what he has to, uh, to, sh- to do here with, with this group. So it was, uh, yeah, him and then, and Zetsy just the hockey side. Coop wasn't a hockey guy. He's, he's a lawyer. He's smart. He's very intelligent. He th- knows the game. He can think the game, but he didn't play. Zets played. He played in the NHL. You know, we was fun. We have proof because Rob Zettler, we found a hockey card of him on a motorcycle when he was playing for the San Jose Sharks <laughs> with a cigarette and hanging out of his mouth and he had sunglasses on, you know, Rob Zettler, 92 or whatever it was. Uh, went, oh man, it was funny. We had it, we had it blown up and we had it put down in the locker room. And he was, he wasn't very happy that day. He's like, Oh, what was I thinking taking that picture? Oh. That was like me on the billboard my first year oh in here. It was like, holy jeez. <laughs> a classic. I remember Tanner Richard the next day after that, the boys brought the the net down in the the, the players' lounge. <laughs> and I walk in, they're all standing around. There's Tanner naked on the net, just laying out, saying, hey, Nielsen, call me for a good time, eh? He's like, oh, boy, what did yeah. I get myself into? That one you can't live down, I right? I can't. It's still on me I, today. I bet it so is. So even at work, they, for 
for uh, Valley Refrigeration, they do like a Christmas giveaway. So everyone had to take in a selfie and then your picture gets up with your name. So I get a message and then the, somehow the friggin' internet, they got on there, Google something <laughs> and it popped up and they use that picture for my, uh, so yep. all 180 employees at Valley know, uh, know that, know that story now. Yeah, I was going to say they just one quick Google search and a, a background check. What, what, what is this? I got to call Google and get that one bumped down a little bit, <laughs> eh? Like way, way down at the bottom or see if they can get it taken off. Cause uh, I love it. It's, it is a, uh, well, it's definitely a classic. Uh, that was, hey, the marketing scheme, I tell right. you, Howard and Vance, they, uh, they, they know the business side and the marketing. We got some pretty good feedback for that one. They, they pulled one. that one out of the hat. Yeah. It was, it was entertaining. You mentioned the family though, and the family environment of the crunch yes. and, uh, and John Cooper was the, the, the king of doing all of that. And, and I'm sure the leadership group as well, the Mike yep. Angelides is a JP Cotes. Why is being a family so tight, you know, so important? Why was it so important to that group and, mm. and how did it lead to the success it had? Yeah. It, it's important because you build trust and you build relationships away from the rink, right? And then when you do that, you, you all of a sudden you're not forced to hang out with a guy that you might not like. You're, you you want to hang out with a guy because he's your teammate and because you're taking interest in his life and you know you care about him. And that group of guys, we cared about each other on and off the ice. And we got into some stuff off the ice and we stuck, st- always, always stuck up for each other. That family mentality and it was really cool in Norfolk. We brought it up to here too. We did suppers as a as group. So like when my our first year we rented a house out in Camillus and there was five of us staying in this house. This beautiful big mansion and we would cook suppers together and we would you know have meals together pregame together obviously have social activities together we don't elaborate on that but <laughs> i think we get the idea you know and uh and and coop and gar and uh, zetsy they would come around and each house or group would have to would have to uh, host them for dinner so and you would be scored you would be graded on your presentation your meal your quality your alcohol selection your dessert you know and your entertainment so you had to come up with a night and they would come over for a couple hours and you'd wine and dine them and so then they take pictures we'd all go in the room like a week later and gar would have this presentation and we would get graded and it was a competition within the group and there was like i don't know 100 bucks or a couple hundred bucks on the line for, for whoever won yeah so we did that throughout the year and it became a thing and guys were like going above and beyond i remember going to sam's club and we we're getting like all this stuff loaded up me and barbs are walking through the aisle we spent like 500 dollars on groceries or something and booze and we said we're gonna do it right we're gonna do it right and uh, you'll have to check with coop or, or gar or, or zetsy to see who won that year because i can't remember yeah. i don't think it was us i think we just missed it but it was uh it was fun like just little stuff like that and that's that family mentality yeah. right and you know we had fun off the ice, but we also had fun on the ice and, and working hard was a part of that. And Coop was all about that. Boys go have fun and be a group. But when it's time to show up to the rink and it's time to work hard, we have to do that to be successful. And the guys did it and we did it and we were successful. Yeah. Eric Nielsen is our guest here on Crunch Chronicles, uh, a guy who you, you, you kind of well, haven't really talked about yet, but he's a big part of everything and who's here with the Crunch now, PC Labrie. <laughs> What was he like then? When and what's it like to still see him out there uh, being an impactful player for the Crunch today? Amazing! It just put a, a smile on my face and a smile on my heart just to hear that name. He was uh, still is one of my one of my best friends in hockey. We lived together for four years. We were roommates, and um, we actually went to training camp together in San Antonio. Um, we were both signed PTOs. PC was released, and he went on to play in Manitoba, I believe, after that or Peoria. And we kept in touch ever since that training camp. I was like, man, who is this guy? Like, could barely speak English. Two hundred. 25 pounds, big beard, curly hair, 
not like no shy bone in his body would talk to anybody social like i was like man this guy is something else like how does how does he do it and you know he he would just go in with so much swagger so much confidence and i just was it was contagious like he wanted to be around this guy right so we became really good friends that training camp and then I think it was even him that might have suggested in Norfolk the next year when I was a free agent, hey, you should look look at uh, Nielsen. It just so happened that JB was the, was the the GM at the time, and you know how hockey works. Well, hockey works. It's a tight circle, right? So yeah. my name got thrown out, and sure enough, we're playing together the next year, which is really cool. We moved in together. We were roommates down in Norfolk, and and um, you know the best best way to describe PC the Bree, Nacho Nacho Libre, as I like to call him, I think down in Tampa, you know he's just uh, he's gonna put you ahead of himself every time no matter what he's such a he's such a team first mentality pc Labrie. that's just the best way to describe him and he's got such a big heart uh like i just yeah it's hard hard for me again i kind of get choked up a little yeah. bit thinking about it because we have such a such a great relationship but the, the amount of times that he's had my back and i've had his back and you know we got our handshake and i i hugged him last night i hadn't seen him since the pandemic and he had me over to, to his place for supper and, and we, uh, as soon as I walk in the door, you know, it's like a two minute long hug and just, just to get the big bear hug, you know, oh, the yeah. big bear hug on him. And then, you know, we're, and then all of a sudden we're right back. Like we never, we were teammates again, you know what I mean? And just to have that special relationship with that, that kind of special guy. You now he's a family man. He's got a beautiful family and, you know, he's got a business going. He's, he's just, he's a really, really awesome person, awesome human being. And I'm just really, really proud to call him one of my best friends yeah he yeah. is he, we're so fortunate to have him back here in yeah. Syracuse and it was so cool when we signed him a couple of months ago it was awesome like, you, he's, you're kidding me yeah. right like he's back this yeah. is great and he and we talk about the game changing but he he that part of labs is not going to change yeah. so he can show the younger generation hey this is what we did 10 years ago or eight years ago whatever it was some of these hockey attributes they still work in today and they're still important you know like the game he's not he's not as fast as he used to be his body's starting to get banged up but he can contribute and he's finding ways to contribute kind of like i i had to um to be a part of a f- crucial part of an organization and how to show these kids like okay the next generation this is what worked for us and this is always going to work the team team first mentality be a good person good team player and you'll have success uh, there is a i know you've told this story before publicly but there is a very entertaining story of you and him getting to a training camp uh would you like to share that story uh here on the we, podcast it wasn't a training camp it was a um it was the first second season in syracuse and labs i think it got sent down from tampa and I hadn't seen him for a while, so we went out and celebrated. It was a Sunday night. We had Monday off. But Zets had a team building trip planned to go up to Lake Placid for a few days. We are going to go up there, skate, get away, get out in the city, do some slide and do some ski, whatever, you know, just, just to get away. And he felt like it was time for some good team building. So we, me and Labs, we went out that night, and one led to two, and two led to two too many. And... <laughs> We end up back at the Crown Crown, and we're uh, cell phones going off. And Jesus, the bus was at nine, and this is nine thirty, and we're late. Long story short, Zets is not happy. Obviously, rightfully so, right? You got two leaders not not showing up, and you know, it was looking back, we 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 probably should have managed things a little bit different. But it's a story now, so we'll we'll take it. But uh, Zets is like, all right, boys, no excuses. We're on the ace at two. You guys be there. Click. 
So now we're not in the best of shape, as you can imagine. We're feeling a little under the weather that day. I don't know if I'm catching a cold yeah, or something. We were coming down with a little yeah. flu, maybe, you know? <laughs> so Labs is on the phone with his agent and airlines trying to book a helicopter because he's thinking, no way are we going to be able to drive from Syracuse of four hours up to, to Lake Placid on time. So he's pulling out all the stops, right? He's got the airlines on one line, and he's calling the helicopter on the old BlackBerry flip phone that I had. And I'm just like, Labs, man, it's not going to work. we got to drive. We got to get going. Let's we got to go. get going. Let's, let's go. get on the road. Let's get on the road. So he's like, all right. So, okay, we get on the road, dealer. Let's go. Yeah, we drive. You drive. I'll drive. I'll be the, uh, the co-pilot. So we away we go. We get halfway up to Lake Placid. I don't know where I'm going. I'm following signs. I've never driven it up through the Adirondacks. So we stop at a little convenience store, and then we do go in and ask like for directions and i was talking to you before this is bef- this is blackberry days this is flip phone days there was no gps there was yep. no in your phone so we we needed directions so old school go in ask the guy he's like yeah no lack placid you just got to go up here and you're gonna take a left take a right and you're gonna take two more lefts and then another right do an oop-de-oop go around big roundabout straight through you can't miss it you know i'm like perfect yeah awesome got it i look at labs i'm like get a map let's go we got to get a map so old school fold out paper map he's my co-pilot away we hit the road he's flipping that thing up and down and sideways and trying to look at it and zooming out and zooming in with his he's having a hard time so i look over at him i'm like labs i need to know where to go so this is a true story i swear not i swear you're not he he flipped it around and as if it was an iphone screen tried to double tap the map and tried to zoom in on the map to see if it was gonna i was like labs what are you doing man what are you doing i don't know if he did it as a joke or if he was being serious to this day you'll have to ask him but i do remember that i just start bursting out laughing i'm like oh buddy we're, we're not gonna make it he's like yeah neither we gonna make it we got this neither <laughs> did you make it we made it okay good we we got to adirondack neither one of us ate so we went to mcdonald's drive through a couple quarter pounder with cheese like, get something in the stomach yep. and we were like 18 minutes before we get on the ice and uh j-dub was our trainer and for a joke, he both put full full face masks on our on our on our mask. And this is a true story too. We go in and Zets is pissed. Like Zets is not happy. I, rightfully so. And I was upset. I'm like, man, we we let this one go. But Labs is like, no, Zetsies. I I I swear we at the bar, we had some drinks, we were good. I think we got drugged. I think we got date for somebody slipped a date right. We got drugged, Zetsy, I'm telling you. Uh Cully was the assistant. Trent called it. He yeah. was losing it dying. Like he knew. He knew right away. Zetsy knew, but Labs is like, no, we got drugged. We we got somebody who was trying to date rape drug us, you know, that, that <laughs> night. So that was our excuse. And we had to pay a little fine and do do a little extra at the end. And, you know, it was in hindsight, it was it brought the team. It was something we could laugh at and yeah. joke about after. But, you know, probably something we do a little different if we had to all over again. But uh, that was a good trip. It's a, it's a great story. Yeah, and, yeah. and now it is. And now in it, hindsight, it's a great story. It's a, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure we can laugh. And even Zetsy and Cully, if yeah. we ever get back together, we'll have a beer and tell that one. Yeah. And then they, they can tell their version yeah. of the story. It'd probably be a little different. <laughs> yeah. I think there might uh, be a couple of tweaks. Yeah. Like yeah. Probably. All good. Well, you, we talked about the community. We talked about Syracuse and, and what it meant to you. And, and you were the man of the year in the league here in Syracuse, you you always were involved in the community. Uh, that was clearly an important part for you. Why why was that so important? And you know what did it mean to you at the end of the day to to win the AHL's Man of the Year? Yeah. So I was trying to find out where that came from. Where did I really start to 
become involved in the community and the give back mentality. And I did, I was doing some digging back home at my grandparents' house and both my grandmother and my grandfather were big members in the Lions Club community. So I don't know if you're familiar with the Lions, but that's just a community group. You know, they host fundraisers. They, they, they were very heavily involved in the community. And I, I remember seeing that as a young kid and just thinking, wow, that's, that's pretty special. You know, it's just grand, grandpa and Graham just being able to give back. And I, I took that, I think, with me into hockey. And I saw that it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily a necessity, but it was something that I wanted to do and I felt good doing it. It was just a natural high, like giving somebody, going to a, a hospital with sick kids and, and just talking to a kid and seeing a smile on his face or giving him a puck or signing an autograph and just something so small and it made such an impact. And it just, for some people, and maybe I'm different, maybe it's for some people, they don't, they get that emotion. But for me, it was genuinely, I felt good every time I was able to put a smile or or do something above and beyond for somebody else. And that just, for the American Hockey League or the National Hockey League to, excuse me, to recognize that, you know, that's a, that's above and beyond because guys don't do that for recognition. No one says, oh yeah, no, look at me. I'm going out to all these events and, you know, you do, do it because you want to do it. And I love to do it. And so because I love to do it, I think I was asked to do it more. I volunteered my time more. And, you know, like I said, we go back to playing. I wasn't in the lineup every night. I wasn't a regular. There were some nights, maybe the other team was, didn't have a tough guy or didn't was my job wasn't needed that night. So I was able to go and do more things off the ice. And that just, I created a really great relationship with the, with the staff here in Syracuse. And we worked really good together. Mike Angelitis, I, uh, we, we came up with this change for change. And I remember that. And I think, man, that's pretty cool. You know, we raised a few, a few thousand dollars whatever it was, it, you know, small amount in the great scheme of things, but it's a, it's something, yeah. you know, and it was, and I'm not sure if, if they still do it now or if it's still around or a thing, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was just really cool to be able to do that. And if you can, and you're, and you're able to, then why not? Yeah. I was always that mentality, right? Why, why wouldn't you do it? So. Yeah. Well, you're always such a great representation mm-hmm. for the organization and the community and, and it was a well-deserved honor for sure. Yeah, it was, it was, it was awesome. They, I, I didn't know, I didn't expect it, right? Like the, the whole American hockey league, the, every team has a man of the year or yep. whatever they, they, um, delegate and they promote and then the the AHL as a whole they picked the man of the year and when they said my name I was like oh wow that's you know that's pr- pretty neat again looking back it's a little more special in the in the moment I'm thinking oh you know it's a it's a plaque and it's, I just do it because I love it but now you look back and reflect on it like well that's yeah. that's kind of neat that was pretty pretty special to be the man of the year yeah. so well again well well deserved mm, thank for you sure yep. uh, you kind of said you were you know didn't play every game when you were here with the crunch the games that you didn't play uh, you were kind of up in the broadcast booth a little oh, bit with, yeah with, with uh, Dan Duvai double I, D I, I Ask about it. What, you know, yeah. How much fun did you have doing that? And, and what was the experience like? I, I had a blast. And to be honest with you, I was actually thinking about maybe getting into commentating. You see some players now that are getting into commentating after they retire. And I thought, oh, you know, I, I like that. I, I, me and Dan had a chemistry and we kind of fed off each other. And it made me look at the hockey uh, the hockey as a whole a little bit differently. It made me watch the games differently and see, pick out different plays. And I always wanted to add something that the fans didn't see, maybe behind the scenes, because if I was a fan, I put myself in that situation. Well, what, what went on in the dressing room or what, what's a little story that happened on the bus? Or if you can add some insight in behind the scenes, I always thought that that was kind of a neat, neat thing and the fans would appreciate that. So yeah, we, we had a great time. Dan was awesome. He was easy to work with. And I think he's the one that actually got me, got me into it. I, I, 
I'd done a little bit prior to Dan, but it was really that the years in Syracuse with with Dan Duva that uh, that I enjoy doing it and I get more comfortable doing it. And you know, we had our little thing going and yeah. it was fun. I had a lot, I had a blast. I, I I don't know if you remember this, but I remember I was an intern obviously at that point, mm. and there was one TV broadcast. You were up there, and you know the press box, of course, mm-hmm. up in this building, and you guys are hustling down to, to get to uh, where you needed to go for an intermission, and you clock your head on the uh, oh, on the ceiling. You had to leave the game, get get stitched up downstairs. Oh, cut me right open. Yeah, <laughs> that, I was, that was something. I was like, Dan, you're, you're gonna have to cover this one, buddy. You're gonna have to go solo. I'm freaking blood coming out of my head on that one. Yeah. Uh, Did you guys get that fixed up there yet? Anyway, uh, or is it no? No, no. If no. you're up there, again, I'll, I'll wear my helmet. I'll yeah. get uh, JW or get the trainer to give me a helmet yeah, there. So I'll be you know, right. hard hats only up top. <laughs> yeah, she's sure. tight, tight quarters. <laughs> Eric Nielsen, our guest here on Crunch Chronicles. We've held you forever, Eric. Uh, we'll leave you with one last, you know, either closing thought on your time with the Crunch or here in Syracuse or whatever you want to finish off with, a yeah. story or a thought, whatever it might be. Oh, it's great. Well, I just just really appreciate you know, the time and, and being able to do this again. It kind of brings back some memories and the hockey, hockey the chapter two, three, four, whatever, when, when hockey, professional hockey was part of my life. And I uh, I definitely, for, for people that are listening and, and fans and that might know me or have had met me over the years in Syracuse, I just want to thank you too because, you know, you do a lot of reflecting when you retire. And if it wasn't, I tell the young kids too, and I even told the junior guys, like, if it wasn't for the fans, we wouldn't have a job. We wouldn't, like, these these people, they work hard. Monday to Friday, they could spend their money on anything, right? They could go on trips. They could go buy what certain things that they might want. They buy tickets to come watch us play. And I just, looking back, I just, I, I want to say that I really appreciated that as, as a player. You gave me an opportunity to do what I love, do what I loved, and uh, and just to be able to be a part of a community like Syracuse for, for those three years. It's, uh, my heart is very, very full and very grateful, and I feel very blessed so we'll have fun tonight we got a big game you know I, I watched a little bit with PC last night on the on the laptop so we we gotta we gotta turn things around and get yeah. the big dub getting ready for the playoffs so should be exciting it's, I haven't seen a American League uh, American Hockey League game since uh, I was last year four years ago so I'm looking forward to watch some of the old guys that I would have played with and played against and maybe throw a few chirps out there myself so <laughs> we'll see we love it well awesome. Eric Nielsen thanks so much for doing this here today great to have you back in town of course uh, congrats on on the uh, the transition into your new career and we wish you well the rest of the way. Hey, I appreciate having me, man. Thanks a lot. There he is, episode 33, guest number 33 here on Crunch Chronicles, Eric Nielsen. Thanks so much to him for giving us the time here over the course of his trip back into Syracuse. We hope if you were at the game on Saturday around town, though, over the last couple of days with him in town, you maybe had a chance to catch up in person with Eric Nielsen, such a great personality and a wonderful person to have as part of this Crunch organization and a Crunch alumni here in Syracuse. Nielsen. Uh, spent, as we said earlier, three seasons with the Crunch. He was a part of that team that went to the Calder Cup Finals in 2013. He was a Calder Cup champion with the Norfolk Admirals in 2012. And he was just a great presence on and off the ice. We know he wasn't a scorer. You heard Eric Nielsen say he wasn't a scorer. That's not breaking news. But over the course of his three seasons... He played just under 100 games for the Crunch, and he had nearly 300 penalty minutes, 135 in 2012-2013, 100 the following season, and then 62 in just 20 games played in 2014-2015. So uh, he was a rough-and-tumble player on the ice. There's no doubt about it. You heard his thoughts on that as a player here on our conversation with Crunch Chronicles. But take him away from the rink, and my goodness, it's hard to find a better person 
off the ice than Eric Nielsen. So we thank Eric for A, coming back to Syracuse for the Crunch Classic this year, and B, joining us here on episode 33 of Crunch Chronicles. If you have a story about Eric Nielsen, and who doesn't, we'd love to hear them. You can email me, lfavali at syracusecrunch.com, or tweet me at lucasfavali. We'd love to share some of those stories on an upcoming episode of Crunch Chronicles. So that'll do it for us here this week, episode 33, now officially in the books. Our thanks to Eric Nielsen for joining us once again. We'll be back next week, though, with another great episode of Crunch Chronicles.